Hello and welcome to another episode of the Pro Golf Now podcast. This is Chris O'Day, one of the site experts. And today I wanted to start off talking about an interesting idea that came through the site this week. And normally when you're out on the course, you're kind of looking for things to keep it interesting if you're out there a lot, whether it's a new gambling game you want to play or just a different style of golf. And one of our writers, Eric Sadrance, came up with a good idea. Instead of playing from the blues or the blacks or even the whites and playing the same course the entire time, you could move around and play different tees as you go. And originally he tired, titled it No More Ladies Tees. I was like wondering, well, is he saying we got to get rid of them and move it back for everybody? But he was talking about playing from different tees on every hole. And the reason he brought this up is he was actually lucky enough to play at Pinehurst, the classic course. And when he was there, they were talking about how when the PGA comes there in 2024, that the tees are going to be moved around than they are for the public. And that usually happens, but sometimes it, or almost every time it's moving it back because as everybody knows, pros hit it farther than amateurs, especially scrubs that are out there shooting 105 or 140. And some of them it's when it's a par four, it goes from like a 340 yard hole to a 305 yard hole. And it turns it into a drivable par four. And the caddy that he had was talking about how that's going to be the case when the PGA is there. So they decided, well, we'll move up to the Reds and turn it into a drivable par four for us. And it's an interesting idea. It might be frowned upon by some people because if you're still keeping a handicap, you're playing a different course than a lot of the people who are playing exactly from the whites or only from the blues. But if you're moving it around even enough and you keep the yardage about the same, it does make for a pretty interesting way of doing it. And maybe they have a really long par three that's 180. From the Reds or the seniors or ladies or however you want to call it, it's only 105, 110 yards. Maybe play it from there. And if it's a par five that the pros played is super long, you could take that challenge, even if you are a big hitter of seeing if you can get there in two just like they can. And it just ended up being a really interesting idea by Eric on how to kind of change your game around, make it more interesting. And really, golf should be about having fun, enjoying the game while you're out there. For some of us, it's the challenge of playing from the tips the whole time. Some of us, it's just breaking a hundred for the first time. And for others, it's making every hole interesting, especially if it's at a course that you're never going to see again. So that's why Eric came up with the idea of, as he put it, no more ladies tees. And it's a pretty good idea. And over the, this year so far, transitioning to Rory McIlroy, he has been on fire every round of the year, unless it's on Sundays. He actually has the worst scoring average this year out of people to play on Sundays. And it's really odd, and Rory's brought it up too, that he just can't figure it out on Sunday. Um, he's finished in the top five, top six, five or six times this year. And he's been in the final group a couple of times on Sundays. And you can look at his scoring average and you can see the difference. It's 69.3 in the first three rounds and 70.5 in the final round. And that is for the 2018-2019 season so far. And normally when a guy's in the final round, it's because he's feeling it over the weekend. He's familiar with the course. So when you get to Sunday, he puts it together. Something like Francesco Molinari did at uh, Arnold Palmer last week by shooting a 64 on the final day. But when it comes to Rory, he's just not quite able to figure it out. Um, he went into the Arnold Palmer near the top of the leaderboard. And he ended up finishing 9-under, I think, tied for 6th. 
And so now through six starts this year, he has four top fives and he's tied for six in one of the other finishes, this one at Bay Hill. And he's playing super consistent. It's just he can't quite get over the hump. And it's really odd for somebody who has had success, won majors, and been one of the best golfers in the world. Um, so I guess there's two ways to look at it. it. He's struggling in the final round, and he's not able to get that win. But four top fives and a tied for sixth over six events, that's just incredible. So part of it is Rory struggling, but the other part is, like Richie talks about in the title of his article, Rory McIlroy, it's time to give him the respect he deserves because he really has been putting it together all year, and it's just a matter of time before he ends up winning an event. And we are actually joined by my fellow site expert, Brandon Raper, to talk a little bit about Players' Championship. How's it going, buddy? Hey, I'm doing well, Chris. How are you? Good. And one of the things that's popped out to me the most so far about the players is that through two rounds, Tommy Fleetwood has held it together and he hasn't had the blow up round yet. He's sitting at 12 under. He's tied with Rory. It's kind of amazing that he's been able to put two rounds together and hold it together so far. You know, I think it really is. And what you're seeing is, you know, one of the big things they talk about at the players is experience on a Pete Dye course. And going back to last year, one of the things I really liked about Tommy coming into this year is he actually finished tied seventh in 2018. So this is a place that he's been before. And obviously moving it to March is obviously is going to be a little bit different for him, but he knows the course and he's not going to be intimidated by any of the shots he's going to see. And uh, I think people forget that this guy is, a lot better than a lot of maybe more casual fans think he is just because he's spent so much time in Europe over the past couple of years. And with him being a European golfer, do you think it helps out like him and Rory because they play in worse weather sometimes and they're used to the wind because it's like that over there more often. So with the players being moved up to March, do you think that gives them an advantage? Oh, I, I absolutely do. I think it's something that when you've seen more conditions like that, and you can speak to this from maybe a coach's perspective, the more you've seen, the less it's going to rattle you. You know, they say in other sports, play like you've been there before, act like you've been there before. Well, I mean, Tommy Fleetwood has, Rory McIlroy has. These guys have played in the wind, the rain, the cold. Um, so even though it's in Florida, where most of us think, oh, sunny 70s every day, um, you know, they're, they're getting more of what they're used to, and that's really giving them an advantage this week. And you're right. From a coach's perspective, it's one of those things where like I'm from the Pacific Northwest and it rains and it rains a lot and it's windy. And the kids ask at the beginning of the year when it's 35 and windy, can we cancel practice? And it's like, no, because we don't cancel matches for this. So you need to get used to it. So when it happens, you can be ready. Absolutely. I think that's that mental toughness that is really going to separate players, whether it's at an amateur level or, you know, what we're talking about here at the, at the players you know, when you're talking about these guys who are all so talented, who have all refined their games so much, being able to take that sort of shock to the system and roll with it, it's, it's an unmeasurable advantage. And I, I really thought today that Fleetwood was going to run away with the lead because he was tied for the lead after round one with Keegan Bradley at seven under. And then he goes off today with birdie eagle birdie. And all of a sudden just jumps out to 11 under. And it's like, oh, no, this could be one of those rounds where he shoots 62 and he's up by five after two days. Oh, yeah, ab absolutely. And I think he's that kind of guy who can do that. But at the same time, he's smart enough to not 
really blow up either. You know, he only had two two bogeys on the card today. Um, what did he have? Uh, five birdies and an eagle going with it. Yeah, that that's smart golf. He he was playing his advantages when he had them, and he avoided the blow up number. If he can do that for two more days, he's got a killer shot at going wire to wire. I think. And I noticed that on 17, where I think he had just bogeyed a hole, one or two holes before that. He was sitting at 11 under going into 17. And a lot of guys can be over-aggressive on that hole, but he just played his shot nice and safe and put it right in the middle of the green and just left himself a nice, safe line. And seeing that kind of decision-making from a young guy is always good out there. Oh, absolutely. And I think 17 is a hole where I, I was reading something, I believe it was in Golf Digest uh, maybe last month, where they had interviewed several pros about the challenge of 17. And, and what they talk about is it's not a very complicated hole on its own it's a stock par three it's running about 145 to 150 yards depending on the pin placement all you have to do is hit it right in the middle of that green and take your par take your medicine don't do something silly and you'll be fine and that's exactly what he did today and that's one of the things i always think about from a coach's perspective is kind of looking at the percentages that align with the shots you're going to take it's like yeah you might be able to make a birdie but the chances of you making bogey or double if you go for that birdie are way higher. So taking the safe route and taking that par is the smart play to go because there's 17 other holes that you can try and score on. Taking the par here is the smart choice. Absolutely. I mean, you know, we saw Ryan Moore dunk it off the pin yesterday, but we saw Tiger put two in the water today. That's all you need to know about this hole is that, yeah, you have a shot at making something fantastic happen if you go flag hunting, but the, the risk of that could take you completely out of the tournament. And I saw that with, there's been what three guys in the last 16 years that have had a quad at a tournament and won the tournament. So really Tiger's mistake right there kind of puts a, a darkness over his entire weekend for the chance to win. It does. And you know, I know we were talking about Tommy, but speaking about that, I was talking to Kathy, uh, Kathy Bissell is actually at Sawgrass this week and she had the, uh, the tour staffers run some numbers for her. And it doesn't look like anyone has ever made a quad on that hole and gone on to win the players. So he's got quite a bit of ground to make up on that one. Yeah, and with Tiger, I know he was saying something about how the wind kind of got him and playing in March, it changed it. And he said if he would have been the last one to go in his group, he doesn't think he would have gone in the water because it was just a little different than he thought it was going to be. And then playing from the drop zone, he just – said he missed it he thought he could get it there from 85 yards and he didn't and it ended up really hurting him it's yeah it's important to remember that you know we, we give tiger and, and a lot of these guys credit for being almost superhuman when it comes to their shots but you know they're just as capable of missing a shot we saw justin thomas straight shank one at riviera a couple weeks back and uh you know i think he got aggressive i think he was feeling himself a little bit because i've what i've seen in tiger recently is he's got a little bit of that you know, early 2000s kind of swagger back to him. He's feeling really good about where his game is at, but it, physically it's just not quite there. It's not entirely dialed in, I don't think, just yet. It, yeah, I agree that that swag is definitely coming back because I, I want to say it was the seventh hole. I can't remember exactly, but he stuck it to a foot, something like that. And when he got done with his follow-through, he watched it, and then he did the tiger club swirl. <laughs> and it was like, oh, tiger feels like he's back. He did. That was uh, that moment just about blew up Twitter today. I think, you know, I, I saw people who were analyzing the the club twirl and the the little leg kick he gave. It was it was a, a sight to behold. And it is one of the best things in golf to see when Tiger's feeling it, just how emotional and into it he gets. 
Yeah, golf is a better game, in my opinion. And I know there are a lot of people out there who are, oh, this is just more Tiger talk. Oh, why does everybody talk about Tiger? Golf is more entertaining when Tiger is playing well. I would say the same thing to a degree for Rory McIlroy or for uh, Phil Mickelson even. But seeing Tiger and all he's gone through over these past couple of years competing at these type of events, you know, he teed it up at the WGC Mexico, a tournament, frankly, I didn't expect him to play other than the fact that it was WGC, he's putting himself in these spots with, with the, the best of the best. And he's putting himself out there when, frankly, I think a lot of guys might not have that mental sort of confidence to do that yet. Yeah, and it, it's nice to see Tiger playing more than half a tournament and having to withdraw and sitting out three months and actually being able to play a handful of tournaments so far this year. Absolutely. And I think, I think this is going to be something to build on. I think no matter what happens over these next couple of days, because he's not really in contention now. You know, he might make a little bit of a run tomorrow or even Sunday, but this is really all building up for the Masters in a couple of weeks, and I think we're really going to see some fun stuff from him then. Yeah, and that's it's definitely what he has been focused on, and I think that's part of the reason he withdrew from the Arnold Palmer last week, is he wants to be healthy because that's the one thing on his mind. He knows none of this other stuff matters that much to him, and it's the Masters, and that's what he wants. He wants that major. Exactly. It's, it's all got to be for that week and really for those four weeks. You know, he's got the U.S. Open at Pebble coming up, too. There, there's a lot of big events that he needs to still be there for. And if, if anything isn't feeling right, he needs to take it easy. And it's nice to see him making the mature decision on that because Tiger from 10, 12 years ago, he would have played through it. He would have played extra tournaments and he would have just gone through it all because people kind of forget Tiger played a major on a broken leg and a torn ACL. <laughs> It's like to see him withdrawing because his neck is stiff. It's like, oh, Tiger is being mature and responsible and doing what's right for him. It's funny how being 43 years old and uh, having, you know, finally come come to terms with his, you know, not necessarily his mortality, but his his career mortality, if you will. Uh, it's funny how that changes people sometimes. I hit two drivers on the driving range today without warming up, and I had to stop for a while because my back was sore. So I can't even imagine at 43 what it's like. I'm only 31. Hey, coming from Minneapolis, where we're still under uh, to get back out there, so I'm a little bit jealous of you, Chris. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Just a little uh, bit jealous. Well, it was about 58 degrees out today, if that makes you feel better. Hey, listen, man, I'll, I'll, I'll play in anything as long as the course is open. I'll be out there playing, so it's all right. Yeah. So, and Tiger, he's sitting at minus three right now, and that, that quad really did hurt because he could have been sitting at minus seven, and I think that would have put him tied for ninth, tied for seventh, somewhere in there. But instead, nine shots back, he really doesn't have a chance to get to the top of the leaderboard. No, he really doesn't. And and the nice thing about it is, you know, when we're talking about Tiger, he's not playing for money. He's not playing for, for positioning. He has the luxury of going out there and playing to win. So we're not talking about a, a guy who's playing for his card next year, a guy who just got lucky to be here this year. But it, it's kind of tough to watch him go out there and and be so on fire for the first you know six seven holes he's on and then just have one hole everything else he did today was great people are going to look at that quad and, and rightfully so say oh well he played himself out of the tournament yeah he did but look at the rest of his round today forget his standing on the leaderboard he's sharp his irons were mostly solid all day he hit two bad shots now yeah that took him out of the tournament completely yeah. but for 17 other holes, he was pretty much spot on. And that is a good point because if you take out that hole, he was five under on the day, which puts him in the top 12 scores in the entire day. But it's just that one hole got him. 
And, and that that's the the beauty of the Pete Dye course, whether it's this one or any really any other course that Pete Dye has touched. He he always puts in those spots where if if you're just a little bit off for one moment, it can completely change your round. Yeah. And Tiger was one of the two times so far this week, kind of watching the scoreboard while I've been at work, where I thought something was messed up because I was keeping track of Tiger. It's like oh, okay, two under, three under, four under, and then all of a sudden he's. <laughs> back down there it's like wait what happened and then you see it's 17 it's like oh okay that makes sense like i guess he went in the water <laughs> that's that's actually the the beauty and the and the shame of the pga tour app I, I have that and i always get my little alerts okay rory has started his round he's two under through four and, and i got a pop-up on my phone where it said tiger woods has made quadruple bogey seven on number 17 and i kind of said to myself wait a second that tiger woods <laughs> <laughs> on that hole, the one that I mean, he's he's won this tournament twice. He's won it in March. He's won it in May. If anybody knows this course, it's him. And <sighs> golf is a fickle mistress sometimes, isn't it? That's <laughs> this, this sport. True. This the sport we love is just brutal to even the best of us. I think it can be brutal to so many. And then, like the other one that got me on the scoreboard was yesterday, day one with Harris English, and. Seeing a guy go from, I think he was plus one to all of a sudden it says minus two on the scorecard. It's like, wait a minute, what happened? Did they have minus one there? And like, that's what they're supposed to have. But no, he, he got the other side of that fickle mistress by getting an albatross, which I didn't realize He's, it's the third one in three years at this tournament. Really? I did. I did not recognize that right away. I know they're, uh, they're extremely rare. And when I saw it pop up on the screen, I said, okay, no, well, number one, albatross, my opinion greatest work in golf right yeah it, it's, <laughs> let's, it's let's, so awesome let, let's just get that out there for the record <laughs> but but i mean when you when you get that it's almost like you just have to shake your head and say well i guess that's just kind of the way my day is going to go today and then of course i don't know if you saw any of his round today but he put up the uh the dreaded snowman on number four today oh. so he had so he had an albatross yesterday and a quad <laughs> on, today so he's, he's uh he had a tough week, and uh, I think he's probably going to be happy to spend a little bit. Maybe not happy. That's the wrong word. But, uh, you know, this weekend's going to be a little less stressful for him. Yeah. And, yeah, I think Kepka had an albatross last year on the final round, and then someone had one the year before that. They said it was the fifth albatross at the players so far. And then uh, Moore's hole-in-one on 17 the first day where he dunked it. That was the ninth hole-in-one on that hole that they've had so far. Just the ninth. Okay. Yeah. I would I would have assumed there had been more. I hadn't uh, hadn't run up that number yet. It was it was just on seventeen that had nine hole in ones. I don't know about the rest of the course, but oh no, sure, sure. Yeah. I just you know the last one. I guess I remember Sergio's uh, two years ago, but before that, I guess I couldn't tell you when the last one was. I want to say the top of my head. I wrote about it this morning. I think his name was Willie Wilcox, and he did it. Oh, back... Will, Will, Will Wilcox. Yeah. yeah, he did it back in twenty sixteen. Okay. And... So they've had a couple home ones there over the last few years. They've had the three albatrosses in three years. So it's just it's been a tournament where incredible stuff's been happening. But but we haven't had a turtle dive into the water yet for the TV coverage. <laughs> maybe maybe we'll have that this weekend. I know I know CBS loves hyping that Golf Channel and the rest of them. I don't know if you've followed any of their social. It was uh, early this week. It was. Uh, here's Tiger's greatest shots, and here's the greatest turtle dives off of 17 into the into the water. Oh, that sounds about right. So, I don't know about for you, but the round that stood out the most to me today was Furyk. 
seeing old man Furyk out there going <laughs> bogey free 64, eight under and being what nine under for the tournament just surprised me to no end. The uh, the captain is making a run at his own team, I think. Uh, okay, maybe I'm not going to go quite that far, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> that, that's a little too far even for me. But uh, Jim Furyk, Mister Mister Fifty Nine, right? Yep. I mean, this is a guy. This is a guy who has the fifty eight, per- isn't it? Fifty eight. No, you're correct. Yeah. He's he's done he's done both actually. Yep. I should correct myself on that. Um, this is a guy who has arguably the ugliest swing in the history of golf, <laughs> but it's is one of my favorite players simply because of that. Because he he's lasted so long on this homemade swing that any of these you know twenty something year old kids, you know, if you gave if you saw any of these kids hitting a ball like that. Uh, he, you'd wonder where Butch Harmon was, right? You'd be looking for Butch behind one of them or one, or one of those, uh, you know, Sean Foley here to fix their swing. Right. Yep. And, and I don't know something about Jim Furyk and maybe it's just the, the Pennsylvania roots, my, from my mom's side of the family, but I just love seeing a guy like that, uh, you know, hanging on. I think we forget sometimes that golf isn't just a, a 20 something sport anymore. Yeah. And it, it's easy to think that with all these kids pretty much who, look like they have the swings that have been manufactured in front of a simulator where a lot of them look the exact same and they all bomb it out there. And then there's Furyk who's responsible for the best score ever with the 158 or with a 58. And he's out there just doing it his way with that funky top of his swing and going bogey free today. And that's the other key. I think you just hit on is mistake free there was not a single part of his game that wasn't on today. And I don't have the stats in front of me, but I've got to believe that his, his strokes gained T to green would have been better than anyone else in the field today. I don't know how well he putted, but he gave himself, you know, how many opportunities at a birdie you keep giving yourself those shots. You get it on the green regulation, you get it close. You're bound to make a couple. And, and he did that in fantastic form today. Then it ended up being responsible for the best round on Friday. He was the only guy to go eight under today. I, I think that with the weather that's coming in, that right there is going to be the round of the tournament. I don't see that getting beaten this weekend. Number one, I don't see any of the leaders needing to go that low, being that aggressive. Yep. But with the weather that's going to roll in tomorrow afternoon and even into Sunday, you're not going to see people go pin hunting. You're going to see people playing for pars, playing for, you know, I think – four or five under is going to be a really, really good score through the weekend. So he, him posting that and giving himself a shot, it wouldn't surprise me to see him hanging around through Sunday. Yeah, especially since he's the guy who knows how to play mistake-free, where he's only four back. So if he can play through this weather where, like we were talking about Three earlier. Three back, he's even better. Oh, he's only, oh yeah, because I was looking at just for today. Yeah, nine under for the tournament. So he's been there before. He's played through all kinds of weather, all kinds of circumstance where some of these young guys who haven't been able to do it or they haven't been able to get through a tournament without a bad round or like Rory being able to finish on a Sunday, that puts Fierke at a pretty good advantage. It absolutely does. And hey, speaking of young guys, uh, I I have to get it out there right away because if I don't, I'm just going to sit here and stew on it. When is Jordan Spieth going to get himself back on track? Can he get himself back on track this year? I don't know. It's it's been rough for him for what the last, at least the last eight eight months, something like that. Uh, almost a year. I looked it up earlier today. His last top ten was at the Open. Believe wow. it or not. Yeah. So it's coming up on uh, nine months now. It's ridiculous. 
and, and I've been a, a believer since, frankly, you know, I don't want to, you know, toot my own horn here too much <laughs> from, from day one, I've been on that sort of speech bandwagon and it, it's been hard to watch because it, it's, you know, the talent is there and it hasn't gone away, but his, his results. And I'll just, I'll just rattle a couple off from, uh, Let's even go from since 2019. Missed cut at Sony, uh, while I, which is not a tough course, sh- certainly shouldn't be difficult for him. Uh, tied for 35th at uh, Torrey Pines. That's a tougher course. I'll give him some credit there. Uh, he goes out to Pebble, tied 45th. That's not a great look, especially with the U.S. Open there this year. 51st at Genesis, 54th at Mexico. None of these courses have given him the ability to turn his game around. He said today that his putting is coming back around and he made, what was it? Seven birdies today, but four bogeys. So it was, it was one step forward and two steps back. And I, I I don't know what the turnaround is going to have to be to get him back. Yeah. That that's a tough spot for finding success so early in his career and kind of everything he wanted was there. And I don't know, maybe it's just, putting in the same amount of work or dealing with all of the fame that's come with it. It's probably a combination of both, but it, I mean, it, it might be, uh, I, I wrote this a little while back and, and I, I, I don't know how reasonable it is in such a 24 seven sport, but I'm wondering if he just needs to go away for a couple of weeks. You know, I, I don't expect him to play again before the masters after this week. Um, you know, maybe he plays Valero. I don't expect him to. I, I haven't seen his schedule, so if he's already committed to any of this, I apologize. But I think he just needs to sit and maybe go home for a little bit, get out to Augusta a little bit early, get comfortable there without the media, without you know everybody sort of crushing around him for a couple of days, maybe Monday that week, and just sort of find himself. Because the best thing that he had going for him early was his track record at Augusta is sparkling. This this is a kid who should have won three Masters by now. <laughs> <laughs> and if, if anything is going to get him back on track, I think it's got to be there. I don't think we're going to see it this weekend, obviously, with a missed cut. He's going home now. He needs to just – something needs to change in his mental state. His, his form doesn't look bad, but he just can't get it back together. And I think taking time off is probably the way to do it. You've seen a bunch of pros do it in the past where they just kind of hunker down and they work on stuff and getting it right out of the public eye. And with a few weeks left, he should definitely do that before Augusta because it's the biggest tournament. It's the one he needs to be focused on. So hunkering down and making sure he has it right before he gets there is probably the way to go. And I think if he can put it together there, I think he's got a shot at coming out of this for the sort of the you know, the heavy summer rotation. But if he goes to Augusta and if he misses a cut or heck, if he even finishes, you know, 35th, 40th, something like that, one of those middling finishes, I, I think it just compounds itself. And I think it sort of starts to snowball into the rest of the year. I could, I could definitely see that where he goes there and he doesn't do as good as he thinks he needs to. So it just doesn't alleviate any of the issues that he's been having. Exactly. That pressure and that stress can be a killer. You know, he's, he's carried himself so well for so long that, you know, I, heck, maybe it's just youth. Maybe it's just the fact that this is the type of thing that's... That's, that's probably a big part of it because it's just kind of hard to be good forever. Not everybody's Tiger Woods and can be good until extenuating circumstances happen. Yeah, that, that next Tiger Woods label is pretty tough. Just ask uh, so many kids, uh, Hank Caney or uh, any of those guys yeah. from back in the day. <laughs> 
That's a, that's a name you didn't expect to hear tonight, huh? <laughs> no, I did not expect to hear that. I was thinking more like Ty Tryon or whatever his name was. But oh, talk about man! Let's <laughs> what, let's that's that's a different show. We'll, 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 we'll do we'll do the could have been's another week. That sounds like a good idea, and I think talking about could have been's for a future podcast is a good place to end it today. So, is there anything you want to talk about before we sign off? You know, I, I don't think there is. I think we, what we have going on this week, and, and we talked a lot about the negatives, but we got to look at the positives. This this week at the players is going to be a fantastic weekend of golf. I think moving it back to March, I know the tour wanted to have their, uh, you know, their sort of feature events every month, but there's a different feel to this event. I think players are taking this, you know, it's not a fifth major, but they're treating it as the big event before the masters. And I really like having that. So looking inside the top 10, Tommy Fleetwood, Rory McIlroy, obviously I think those two are going to be there. Um, let's not forget that we've got Jason Day and Dustin Johnson both inside the top 10 in striking distance. Uh, people forget about Jason Day. He, sle- he gets slept on a little bit too much. So if I'm picking one guy, and maybe you can throw one out there for me too, if I'm picking one guy to watch, look at Jason Day. Shot 66 today, six under. He's ready to make a move this weekend, I think. I'm actually going with Mr. No Name himself, I think, Keith Mitchell. Uh, ah, he shot seven like under it. today. Uh, he's eight under for the tournament, so he's only four back. And it just it seems like he's really been on it since he won earlier this year, and people have been calling him the the no name. I, I know the paper apologized, but yeah. I have to feel that if he uh, if he goes out and wins, what is it, two and a quarter million this week after winning <laughs> Honda two weeks ago, I think people are going to start to remember his name. Yeah, so that's my uh, kind of semi dark horse pick. Oh, there we go. I know. Yeah. I know you called Fleetwood to go wire to wire, but yep. if we can get, you know what? Let's let's see something happen. Let's see somebody make a move post sixty five tomorrow and see what else happens. That'd be nice. Well, I think that's going to do it for tonight. Uh, thanks for joining me, Brandon. Hey, thanks for having me, Chris. Let's do this again sometime soon. All right, and from all of us here at Pro Golf Now, thanks for joining us, and that's another episode of the Pro Golf Now podcast.